The Dad Ass Podcast. Subpar, mediocre at best. Podcast, just trying to figure out this whole parenting and adulting thing. One drink and one conversation at a time. Hey, hey, and welcome to the Dad Ass Podcast, the completely unscripted. You know what, guys? Let's be honest. I'm never going to do this as well as Matt. But uh, the truth of the matter is, is. Matt is now too old to be doing the podcast. Um, he didn't quit. Um, he's literally so old that his back cannot seem to handle the smallest of tasks like painting. It's really terrible, actually. So he had to take a break from this one. He's on the episode, which is good. But uh, this one was pre-recorded. So you know what? Let's not delay. Let's get right into this one. Larry, you, sir, are first and foremost an absolute legend in the podcasting and fatherhood and husband um, area of expertise. So first, it is an absolute honor to have you here on the Dadass Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Well, I appreciate you guys having me. I, I don't know about legend, um, but uh, but I appreciate it. I can bring my wife in here and we can see if she agrees with you or not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Since part of your mission is for um, for men to live legendary uh, lives, I felt like that was the way that, that we had to start the interview by saying legend. So yeah. um, we're, we're excited to have you here. You've, you've had over 700 experts on your podcast and a wealth of knowledge, and you share it with the men who are a part of your uh, Dead Edge Alliance. So before we get into all of that, how, how did this journey for you start? You know, it started out of out of darkness. Uh, it started out of uh, just disparity to really learn how to do this well, you know, and uh, to be better with it. So um, it, it's funny you you asked that question because I was I was just on John Bernthal's podcast, uh, the Real Ones, and uh, he asked me the same question. And the cool thing about John is he's actually also a fan of the show. And so he said, he told me like, uh, uh, when we weren't recording, he's like, dude, I listened to every single one of your episodes. And I was like, holy crap, that's amazing, right? What a compliment. So it, it was. So I, I thought he knew my story, but I guess he he didn't know like my story, my story, just been listening to like the interviews. Mm -hmm. So when he had me on the real ones, it was so funny, man. I actually put it on my Instagram as one of the pin posts because like he asked me the same question, like how did the dad edge get started? And his film crew and the production did such a good job of watching his reaction because it was freaking priceless, man. So what I did was, is he asked me a question. I was like, dude, it was amazing, man. It was about 10 years ago. And I woke up on a Sunday morning. I woke up kind of early and I opened up the blinds and, and the sunlight just hit me like just right in the face. And I just had this like almost spiritual epiphany that I knew everything there was to know about being a good father and husband. And suddenly I just felt compelled to share it with the world. And then I paused and the look on his face was like, like it literally was like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just got this jackass on my show. Like I thought he was cool and he's an absolute moron. And then I looked at him. I was like, I'm just messing with you, man. It didn't, it wasn't anything. And then all of a sudden he just busted. He's like, Oh my God, man. He's like, I, he's like, you totally had me. Like he was just going on and on and on. But like the look on the guy's face was priceless. Cause I thought he, he knew that I was messing with him, but he didn't. <laughs> no. That's awesome. So it was, That's amazing. 
Oh my God, it was so funny. But like, literally he's just like, like doing this, right? So anyway, but no, it, it came out of darkness, man. Um, you know, I, I grew up and I'm happy to share detail of my story if, if, if there's time for it, but I'll give you that. Yeah, go time. for it. No. Okay, well, yeah. You're the guest, so, man. I'll give you the details. So, you know, I'm, I'm 47. I was born in 1975, but my, my biological father and mother were married in 71. Had, had They waited about four years to have kids. They had me about nine months after I was around my dad and mom got divorced. And it was a really ugly divorce. And to be quite honest, I don't know all of the details behind it. I just know it was really bad. It was bad enough to the point where my dad left and um, that was it. And I grew up exclusively uh, with my mom until I was four. And I, I still remember, man, I mean, we're going back 43 years ago, but like, I think like four or five years old, like that's when the video camera of memories like really starts to pop on for a kid. Yeah. And um, I remember like men coming to pick up their kids from preschool. Like I was in preschool, I wasn't in kindergarten yet. And I knew what a dad was. I'm like, oh, that's a dad. But my interpretation of what a dad was, was they just come into your life later. Like moms go out and find dads and then bring them home. Like that was, that was how I understood it. So dude, I will never forget this. Four years old, my mom tells me one day, she's like, hey, she's like, uh, I'm having a friend over for dinner tonight. And he's a very special friend. He's a friend that I've been spending some time with. And I really want you to meet him. And I heard that word him. And I was like, oh my God, she did it. She found the dad. Like that was what I thought. Yeah. So dude, this guy comes walking in my house, man. And he has a trench coat on. He has a three-piece suit on. He's a white collar data software engineer, worked at the same company as my mom. And he's got a briefcase, a mustache, feathered hair. He sounds he like a dad. Oh, totally. Right. <laughs> he literally fit the mold of what I thought a dad was. And so he comes in the house and he shakes my hand and the very first thing I say to this guy, very first thing, it wasn't hi, nice to meet you, is are you gonna be my dad? Like <laughs> <laughs> it's it's simultaneously, I mean, and I don't mean to like sound like I'm pitying you. Please don't take it that way. It's simultaneously like cute and funny, but also I mean, a little bit sad. You have to like, right? Like, cause you're just trying to figure it out. You're just a kid who's like just totally. trying to figure it out. Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because this might show like maybe I'm a helpless romantic to some degree. There are some chick flicks I like and some I I just can't stand. But Jerry Maguire is one of probably my top chick flick type movies. And I love the kid in that movie because he does kind of remind me of me a little bit. And like, he's like, give me a hug, you know, before he leaves. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you see that look on the mom's face. I really think my mom, excuse me, had a very similar experience. And I think, you know, they got married. They got married six months later. And did I they that, really? Yeah. That is yeah, not the way I thought that was going to go. No, they did. I think my mom like kind of like took that as like a Renee Zellweger sign. Like I got to get this kid a dad and like maybe this dude's it, you know. And so they did get married. They stayed married for six years. Uh, he adopted me. My I didn't know this at the time. My dad, my biological father signed over parental rights and he adopted me. And I literally thought that's how every family came to be. And my mom and him were married for six years. Every year they were together, it just got progressively worse. He was a heavy drinker, heavy handed guy, Mm. lots of abuse, abused my mom, beat up on me, beat up on her. Um, They got divorced when I was 10 and he left and I haven't seen him since. And I remember when they got divorced, I was like, and he was the guy only, he was the only guy I knew his dad. But in my heart, I was like, man, this kind of sucks. I don't have a dad anymore, but it was also kind of cool 
because I was like, I don't have to hear them fight anymore. Cause that was horrible as well. So he left. And then I started asking my, I started really like looking around and be like, wait a second, this guy didn't really enter my life until I was four. So where did I come? And I asked my mom, I'm like, where did I come from? And she told me, she's like, yeah, I was actually married before. And I was like, wow, really? I had no idea. So you'd never spoke about that. No, she never told me about it. Um, didn't tell me anything about it. And I think she was doing that. She was probably doing the thing that a lot of parents do. Like, I'll cross that bridge when it's time and when he asks. I'm not going to, like, proactively open up that can of worms. Mm -hmm. So started asking a lot of questions about him. And she's like, I don't know where he's at. Like, I don't know what he's doing. Can I I ask you a question? Yeah. Looking back, do you feel like, um, and I'm not trying to, like, put your mom on blast by any means. I'm just curious from a counselor, because I'm I'm a counselor, right? And I work with children and family and stuff like that. So I'm just curious because I don't really ever, I don't often get to ask this question. Um, do you feel like that was, that was helpful to you or do you feel like you would have rather known like the whole, like waiting until we get there sort of thing? Or do you think it doesn't matter? I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. I I get a lot of, not a lot, but when parents are thinking about separating or when they already have in, in like a similar situation to you, these are kind of questions that I get. So this is a totally like self-serving question i'm just curious from now as an adult do you feel like waiting mattered didn't mattered wished that would have happened sooner i'm just curious i i actually have no regrets either way okay um i don't in fact um i think it would have to be honest like i mean i was young like i was 10 when they got divorced and really started to kind of understand this when i was like nine ten years old ish and and even then, like I was like, cause even back then, I mean, like divorce wasn't as common as it is now. And if you came from a home like that, oh my God, you're broken. You're this or that you have issues. And, um, to be honest, I, I, I really think my mom probably did the best she, she could have done with what she had. And I don't think I would have wanted to know or even conceptualize or even understood before then. So I think yeah. she laid it on me when I was probably most ready. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's usually what I tell parents too, is there's no like standard way to go about this. You'll like when that time feels right, you'll know, and it has to be developmentally appropriate and all that sort of stuff. Sorry for interrupting your story. I was just, you know, that happened. And I was like, Oh, I'm just kind of curious about that. I'm glad you asked. I mean, it was a really cool reflective question that I've never been asked before. And it caused me to pause and really, and and yeah, the answer is like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm kind of glad it turned out the way it did. I didn't really feel like she was keeping anything. I just think she didn't know how to tell me. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I started asking a lot of questions and again, I don't want the story to get too long, but, um, I accidentally met my dad, my biological father when I was 12. So just two years, uh, later. How does that happen? Well, okay. So I'll, I'll explain it. It's kind of funny. Uh, it just maybe shows like how curious and maybe bold I was at 12 years old. So this, I was 12 years old. It was Christmas break. I'll never forget it. And I was at the local like rec center playing basketball with one of my friends. And I went up to the front desk to get a ball. And I knew my dad's last name. And I knew his first name. So it's same as mine, Larry. And then he has his last name. So I heard the clerk behind the counter say, here comes Mrs. Boyd with the hockey payment because there was an ice rink up there. And I was like, Boyd? I was like, huh, it's kind of interesting. And then I looked at the clerk, and this is just me being bold and curious. I said, did you say the name Boyd? And he said, yeah. I said, do you by any chance know her husband's name by chance? And he's like, yeah, he plays hockey up here. 
his name's Larry. And I'm like, Oh my God. Like what, what are the, what are the chances here? Right. So, um, I just like literally, um, I literally just sat there and waited for her to come in. And then I, she paid the thing and I went up to her. I was like, excuse me. I said, what's your name? And she looked at me like I was a weirdo. And she told me her name and I said, what's your husband's name? And she said, Larry. And I go, okay, I know this sounds crazy. I was like, but I think your husband is my dad. And she looked at me and literally it didn't even take her but a couple of seconds. She goes, are you Larry? I said, yes, I am. And she goes, yep, I'm married to your dad. Would you like to talk to him? And I'm like, yeah, I would. So we went around the corner to these pay phones. She popped the quarter in there. She's like, hey, I just made the hockey payment. I'm up here at the rec center. I want to let you know I ran into your son. He wants to talk to you. And she just handed me the phone. Hmm. And I, I don't even remember what was said, man. I just remember hearing my dad's voice and it was just like disbelief and all kinds of stuff. And, but that turned into us meeting in person, but that was our first, yeah, that it happened. Did you tell your mom? Totally. Yeah. I had, I came home and, um, that was the first thing I told her. And what was was, that conversation? Like, I think she was fearful, disappointed, scared all at the same time. Like she wasn't ready to have me be reunited with him. I don't think. Do you think she ever wanted you to? I don't know. I think she probably thought there was going to be a day that would come where I would want to meet him. I just don't think she was ready for it. Yeah. You know, I'd imagine just, she probably pictured it. You being older too. Right. Yeah. Like, cause you were, tw- you said this is 12? two years after. So you were 12 at this point. Yeah. yeah. I was 12. Man. And so when, when you had that opportunity to, to meet with him, what did you learn and kind of experience? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm so into how one, your story, but then how this has aligned you on the path that you're on now to help so many people. So how, how is it impacted how we're helping people today? Yeah. Like from, from when, when you were able to meet your dad and, and, and kind of progressing from there, I'm just, I'm so curious now of how that went to now, how it shaped you to be, where you're at now helping others. Yeah. So my dad and I had this relationship. It lasted about six months. He was remarried, obviously at the time, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. And we were reunited and it was awesome. Like he actually lived three miles from where I lived Hmm. and um, he came to all my little league games. We hung out all the time. And then after like five months or so, he just started to feel distant, kind of stressed, overwhelmed. And I didn't really understand what's going on, but I remember being 12 and picking up the phone one day and calling him and being like, Hey, is everything okay? Like, I'm not really sure what's going on. And the best feeling that I always say that I can compare it to is think of a woman that you've dated in the past and you like her, but she's not into you anymore, but she hasn't told you yet, but you know, it's coming. Mm. <laughs> that's what, that's what that, <laughs> right. That's what it felt like. And that's kind of what happened. That was, that was, he was just like, Hey, it's, I don't remember what was said, to be honest. It was kind of, it's kind of a blur. All I know is that was the end of our relationship. Mm. He was out again. So by the time I was 12, lost my biological father once, lost my stepdad and then lost my biological father again. And then my, my mom, it just, it was this revolving door of toxic men, father figures. My mom was married a total of three times. Every guy was just the same 
partiers, different face, different name. So to answer your question, how did this all unfold? Well, I went on to college, graduated college, married my college sweetheart, got into medical device sales. We got married. Uh, we're pregnant with our first kid. So this is 30 years ago. I'm sorry. I was 30 years old, 17 years ago. I'm in this coffee shop here in St. Louis and I'm there for a business meeting. And <clears throat> I look over and I saw a guy walk in the coffee shop and I looked up at him and it was my father. I hadn't seen him in 18 years. It's my biological father. You have got to be kidding me. No. And one of the women that I worked with, I was also friends with outside of work had spent, you know, we, we were really good friends, really close. My wife and her and her husband, all four of us kind of hung out quite a bit. So she knew my story, knew my personal story. And then, you know, when, when I caught a glimpse of this guy, I was just like, holy shit. She's like, are you okay? And I'm like, well, I was like, can't go believe this. I was like, my, my father just walked in here, I guess, to get his morning coffee. And she's like, wait, what? I told her and pointed him out and she goes, well, what are you going to say? And he didn't know I was there. And I was like, not going to say anything. Like I, he hasn't been a part of my life for 30 years. Like, so she just took it upon herself. She didn't say a word. She just got up and went over to his table. And I was like, Oh my God, what is she doing? And then he got up, came over to our table, shook my hand. And he was like, you know, Hey, like, how are you? How are you doing? And he's, really successful entrepreneur, business owner, and you know, white collar kind of guy. And I was like, fine, how are you? And I just wasn't nice, but I wasn't cold. Well, that meeting ended up turning into now I've been, we've been, and he's been a part of our lives and for the past 17 years. So he's been a part of our lives now. Uh, he's still married to the same woman. I have two younger half brothers, been married for 40 plus years. But to answer your question, it was really important for me to do fatherhood right because I really got a good taste of what it was like when it's done wrong. Mm -hmm. On top of that, um, I wanted to do marriage right because mm -hmm. it was a revolving door of just toxic relationships I saw my mom go through. Um, my mom's been married for a total of three times I know of. I don't, I haven't spoken to her in quite some time and I don't know if she's remarried now, but uh, she, her last relationship was ended about 10 years ago. So, dad edge really got started because like, I was like, you know, I'm going to be a good dad. I'm going to be a good husband, but I really wasn't showing up that well. I wasn't being abusive, but I really wasn't showing up that well. I was just sort of half in half out, but this all culminated when my 15 year old who's 15 now was four. So about 11 years ago, he, I had had a really bad day at work. Um, my patience was at its end. He stepped out of line. I spanked him out of anger, which I never wanted to do. And he lost his footing and lost his balance and fell. And I immediately composed myself. I was like, oh my God, what did I just do? And I went to go help him up. And this is what happened. I went to go help him up and he looked at me like I was a monster. And in that moment, I saw how terrified he was. And that's how I grew up. Because my mom always was with these dudes who were heavy handed. And I was like, that's it. I'm done, done done trying to wing this done like so that was how i started good dad project which is now dad edge but to really answer your question i started looking at marriage started looking at fatherhood and i was like i am not very good at this and i started looking at i was like what am i good at and i was like well i'm pretty good at my job but why am i good at my job well it's because i've had training it's like and 
I'm good at fitness. Well, why am I good at fitness? I have a four-year degree in sports medicine and nutrition. So I know that backwards and forwards and upside down. And at the time I was doing martial arts for about 10 plus years and I was pretty good at martial arts. I was like, well, why am I good at martial arts? I'm good at martial arts because I have a, I have a coach, I have a mentor, I have an instructor, I have a community that I, that I learn with and, you know, learn these skills. So do the same rules apply? I don't know. Let me go find out. Sure enough, after doing this work now for 10 years, plus the same rules apply that if you learn the skills of connection, communication, patience, uh, relationship, emotional IQ, all these things that are so important for fatherhood and being a husband, the same rules apply. You can learn them. Mm. There is so much that is going through my mind just hearing everything you just shared. Uh, but the one thing that really penetrated my heart um, when you talked about um, I want to be better at being a husband and as a dad. I remember we have a three-and-a-half-year-old at home, and when we were expecting, someone said, just remember, before you become a dad, or before you became a dad, you were a husband first. So always invest that extra time into being the best husband first because she made you a father and put in that time then for your wife first child second and i i've realized as we were trying to get the little guy to walk to do all these different steps it was like a hundred you know 95 percent of the focus we were putting was on him but we were you know not having that opportunity to continue to date strengthen that that marriage and i think that's something that that through through the time and through um listening to some of your podcasts, listening to some of the guests we've had on here that I've realized I have to invest that time to be not just a good dad, but I need to be an even stronger husband because if we have that strong marriage and foundation, we can truly invest then in a stronger family. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people get wrong that if you, and and you know, this, um, from, from being a, a licensed family therapist, right? Or a counselor Yep. is that when, when you create these amazing relationships under your own roof, right? You can, you feel like you can conquer the world. Like no one lays on their deathbed saying, I wish I would have spent more time in the gym. I wish I would have spent more time in the office. I wish I would have, you know, logged more hours to make more money. It's yeah. always, about family it's always about your kids you know it's never it's never 95 percent of the crap that we chase on a daily basis if you really think about it you know so one of the other things i often talk to parents about too um which which is similar to what you're talking about in terms of like you were a husband first i'm gonna go like one step for like one step back from that even um which is um that you also need to make sure that you um, stay true to your identity and your identity changes and your interests change and like all those sorts of things. But also you also need to make sure that you are um, fostering and cultivating a healthy relationship with yourself um, because that's also really, really important. One of the things I talk to parents about too is this idea of, you know, when you have a kid, you're super excited and you're thinking about like, I mean, I can't, directly relate because I haven't been in there but this is just what I hear from a lot of people I speak to they're excited to like you know you were excited to take tuck hiking and Mm -hmm. like all and like teach him your passions and those sorts of things right 
But you also have to be very careful in that you don't lose sight of who you are, because how do you expect to impart that knowledge and those passions if you also don't take time to intentionally preserve them and and to be your authentic self? And what I mean by that is, is that I think that there's this delicate balance that has to be played of showing up to be your and, and being in a family and all those sorts of things, but also showing up in a way that is authentic to you. And I think the only way that you do that is through in intentional cultivation of like still making sure that you take a little bit of time for yourself that you take yourself on a date sometimes whether that's like yeah. you know you go on a uh <laughs> whether you're going into the garage and creating something because that's what you like to do and you just spend a little bit of time doing that going on a hike by yourself whatever um but i also i really think parents i hear a lot of parents struggle with their identity as a parent and as a spouse and as themselves. And I think that like the way you create those like healthy, authentic relationships at home that you're talking about, which I agree that are so, so um, key and important is you also can't leave yourself out of the equation. If that makes any sense. No, you absolutely can't. And a lot of <clears throat> here's, here's where I think men are notorious, right. For, for doing stuff like that. Um, men are notorious for throwing their own self-care on the sacrificial sword yeah for the quote unquote for the sake of others now what i'll tell you is that <clears throat> the intention behind that is very selfless right i and i don't need to tell you that because you're you're a therapist you know like the intention behind that it's noble it's selfless like we view it as like well it's actually a selfish thing if i take time for my own yeah. self-care or take take myself on a walk or, or, or like, or I join a gym or I join a Brazilian jujitsu place, or I join a mastermind, like what we have, like that's selfish. What we always tell people is, you know, it's actually one of the most unselfish things that you can possibly do yep. because when you, when you are fully fed, right. Or when you're learning, when you're growing, when you're evolving, you can selflessly serve at a much higher level. Yep. And when you're just trying to take care of everybody else, because guess what, what I'll tell you is that nobody wants the burnt out, overwhelmed, stressed out version of you. If they had their choice to be like, my, my wife will tell me, and a lot of the wives of the guys who do life with us will tell them, tell them the exact same thing. You know, they'll be like, listen, I would much rather you leave this house and go for a run if that's what de-stresses. And I'm just using that as, as an example. I would rather you spend 40 minutes de-stressing and come back for two hours and 20 minutes of your best you versus three hours of shitty you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? So, and, and that's what guys don't understand. Like, no, 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 I got to be here. Yeah. Well, you know what? No one wants you around. Like, yeah. I'm not to tell you that, right? right? Go put your oxygen mask on, go, go take care of yourself in some way, shape or form, and then come back. Even yeah. kids will tell you that. Like I had this one podcast guest on, his name was David Wygant. He's um, he's the guy that they wrote the movie Hitch with Will Smith about. So um, David talked about how he grew up with his dad. And he always said that, you know, his dad would put on his robe and slippers and have a glass of scotch in one hand and then go out and shoot baskets with him. And he'd be out there with him for like an hour. And he's like, it was a shitty experience. Like, because I knew my dad truly didn't want to be there. He's like, but when my dad got my ten his tennis shoes on 
and his shorts on and he wasn't in his robe and he wasn't drinking. And even if he only played with me for 15 minutes, it was the best 15 minutes ever. And that's, those are the things that I remember. But when he was showing up as half him, it was, it had an impact that I'm sure his dad really didn't want. Yeah. That's powerful. And his dad probably thought he was doing a good thing. I guarantee. Yeah. He probably was like, well, you know, yeah, sure. We'll go play. Right. Right. There's a lot to unpack there, but I'm just struggling with with a robe and, and slippers playing basketball. I, I twist my ankle too much, but that was not the point of what you were saying. So I'm not trying to make light of that point. Um, you have roughly what is it, 700 men that are a part of your alliance? Did I did I read that correctly? We have just a little bit more than 800 now. Yeah, 800. So when when you are with this community of men, you're hearing from folks of different ages, different levels of um, parenting, not different levels of parenting. wish I could have rephrased that in my head. Uh, yeah, I don't um, know what you mean by that. But you're, folks that have different age kids that have been married at different amount of times, what what are some of the common themes that you're hearing in terms of things that are helping dads be more visible outside of taking part of this community um, and everything that you put forth through the Alliance? I always like to hear what other people are doing that that maybe I'm not doing or you're not doing or someone that's listening isn't doing that could help. So um so here's what I'll tell you. Um and I don't I don't even know if this answers your question but I think it will and if not feel free to 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 call me out and and ask deeper questions or 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 just uh say hey that didn't really answer my question the question was this but we, we have hard data on what men really want and what they're after. You know, we've had over 3000 applications come through our, actually it's probably closer to five, 5,000 applications. Because what I'll tell you is that in order to be a part of the Alliance, our mastermind, we have men apply. There's a couple of reasons we do that. You want me to share them with you? Yes. Okay. So and I'll tell you the information that you're after. The application is really a test. It's it's actually twofold. We want the man, it, well, actually it's threefold. One, number one, we want the man to self-reflect as he's going through that application on what is it? Why are you here? What, what is it you need? What's missing or broken? Or or what, it, it doesn't even have to be missing or broken. What do you want that's elevated, right? That isn't elevated yet. So it, it pauses a man to self-reflect on like, yeah, what is it I want? It's an eight question application. It literally takes about three minutes to fill out. The application process also gives our guy, our team. I see every single one of these applications. I want to get a good feel of like, Hey, why is Ben here? Why, why, what is most important to this guy? Right. And then we, the other hard data in there is we give men five choices of what is it that you want? Do you want extraordinary? Cause that's what we really do. We help men in five areas, extraordinary marriage, connection with your kids, uh, better financial mastery, optimize physical, mental, emotional health or leadership. What do you think is the first one that men pick? Uh, 82% of the time. I'm going to Yeah. Leadership. No, you would think it's marriage. Oh, see, I thought that was a trick question. I was going to go with marriage, but I was like, nope, it's going to be yeah. leadership because we get nope. too proud. No, it's, 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 it's marriage. 
82% of marriage, 82% of men identify that as the number one thing. That, and that's great data to have because that just mm -hmm. shows what's on the mind and hearts of most men out there. Now, the application is also a test. What do you think? This is this is uh, six, maybe eight questions. It takes about three and a half minutes to fill out. What do you think the completion rate on that application is? Oh, it can't be high. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, and like I said, you, you don't have to do a lot of typing. It's actually you're choosing... You know your response? Maybe you uh, 48%. What about you? I was thinking about like 60, 60%. Yeah. 28%. Wow. Really? Yeah. Yeah. And and there's a reason for that. Uh, the application is the first test of, are you even going to do any work? Like, if you can't take three and a half minutes to fill out an application, how serious are you about your life? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that, you know, we could flood the Alliance. We could go from 800 to 1500 members in two months. If we just put join now versus apply, mm -hmm. we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. We we're, we're dead set on like, let's get the right men in here. And here's what the right man is. Humble, hungry, honorable. Those three things, the three H's, right? And there's nothing in there. You have to be perfect, right? Hungry, not all men are hungry, right? They're not all men. A lot of guys are out there perfectly fine in their uncomfortable comfort zone. And that's where they'll stay. Yeah. The application is the first test of, are you willing to do even that tiny bit of work? You know, humble, there are some guys out there that are egomaniacs, right? Alpha males that bang on their chest, you know, that scream and yell. We don't have any place for that. And there's not going to be a guy with a giant ego that's going to fill out an application. Mm-hmm. And then honorable is like, Hey, am I just going to, am I going to be authentic? Like, am I going to be honest? You know, and like all the good things, all the not so good things. And that's what we want. And that's what we, that's what our community has. So that, that application does a really good job of weeding that out. And then on top of it, then they book a call with one of our guys and our guy and they talk like I'm, we're so in tune with personal touch to make sure that we are serving the right men that we're allowing the right men in and we're the right fit for them to answer your question. Um, what I'll tell you is with that data, going back to your question, so many men are searching for ways to connect with their wife. Right. And the missing piece, when you really peel back the onion layers, it's communication and connection. And here are the adjectives that I always hear when I ask a guy like, Hey, what is it you, if, if communication and connection is what you want, what, what is, what would be happening if we had success? I hear two words all the time, more and better. Mm. I want more communication. I want better communication. I want more connection. I want better connection. Well, I'm like, well, better than what? Well, better than what we have now. What do you have now? Well, it's not very good. Okay. Well, what would be good? I, I, a lot of, a lot of times I like to rate, you know, ask guys scale one to five. What, where's, where are you at? Five is the best year of your whole life. With your wife, one is divorce papers are pretty much on the lawyer's desk, and three is it's okay, it's not great, but it's not terrible. And normally I'll have guys say it's about a two and a half or a three. I'm like, great, what would make it a three and a half? Not a five, but a three and a half. What things are actually happening? Like, how do you know? And that's where you'll see guys like really try to search and be like, I don't really, I, you know, we we would we would talk you know, more about deep stuff. I'm like, well, what kind of deep stuff? What do you talk about now? And then it's, I know what they're going to say. They're going to, it's like, well, you know, we would talk about a relationship versus like parenting and the more scheduling and the managerial things, like the top level partner type things. I'm like, yeah. So how do you do that? Why aren't you doing that now? Well, we haven't done that in so long. 
well, what do you need to get that accomplished? And then they're like, well, I want my wife to tell me everything. I want to be able to tell her everything. And I was like, well, now you're talking about a skill we call creating an environment of psychological safety, which by the way, if you're a counselor, you know that really, really well, make yeah. it very comfortable, right? To tell you these things. So, you know, and, and a lot of guys, I'm like, Hey, do you know your wife's three basic needs, three basic emotional needs? And they're like, Oh, I don't know. I don't feel loved. Um, uh, uh, cherished. Uh, they're, they're guessing. I was like, it's to feel seen, heard and safe. Your communication will either um, accelerate that or decimate that depending on what you're doing. And most guys, what, what I'll tell you is that our, again, this goes back to intentions. Our intentions are really, really good. We want to connect with our wives. What's usually happening though, is we're kind of doing the opposite. We just don't know it. Right. So like, let's give one quick example and then we'll give, you know, I'll let me know if I answer your question. If the three of us are talking, right. And I come to you, or let's just say I come to you as a client, right. And you're, you're my, my counselor. And I'm like, Hey man, this is going on. This is going on. You know, not communicating very well with my wife. We're not, we haven't had sex in a really long time. I'm not really sure what to do. And you just sat there and you're like, yeah, man, that sounds rough. And I'm like, man to man, I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, I know it's rough. What do, well, what do you think I should do about it, man? Otherwise I wouldn't waste my time or my breath unless you would please tell me what you think I should do. And that's the way men communicate, right? But with women, what they really want when they're, when they're venting to us or talking to us, man, they don't really need or want a solution most of the time. Sometimes they do, but most of the time they don't. What they're really craving is connection. Like, hey, I'm telling you this about my day because I want you to hear me. I want to connect with you. I want you to see me, right? And when you do those things, when you hear me and see me, well, then I feel safe. I feel cherished. I feel loved, right? And instead, what usually happens with us guys is we're barking advisement, right? Which that's what men do, but that's not necessarily what she needs. And we get that wrong. Mm -hmm. That just creates like this divide between us. So, you know, Using skills like tactical empathy, using emotional labeling, mirroring, psychological safety, generative questions, um, operating within your core values as a married couple. You know, those are the types of things that we teach. But biggest complaint, biggest thing that we see guys come with is I want to elevate my marriage. Hmm. Did I answer your question or completely fly, fly past it? No, you flew right through it and I love it. Okay. No, no, that every everything you shared I I, I appreciate. And of course, then I was reflecting how I know if if Heather was here right now and I asked what's the number one thing I do that is not constructive for us, it would be you always try and fix something. Yeah. And, and I don't just stop to connect and listen, just like you were saying, or make her feel, help her feel uh, heard. So now, now I have some deep soul searching just, just from everything that you were sharing um, right, right then. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna go call her right now to to, to apologize. You're on the phone. <laughs> Penetrated right through my heart. Right. But a lot of that had to ring true to you, though, for what you're doing with families and and some uh -huh. of the kids and personally that, that you meet with. And yeah, and personally too. Yeah. Yeah. I can reflect upon some things for sure. Like how you need to call me back sometimes. No, I'm never gonna call you back. Just let it go. <laughs> uh, Larry, I this this is gonna be another. Um, general statement, but I want to ask you this. Um, of all the guests you had, if you could say which which guest or topic or something that truly penetrated your heart of hearts, would you like reflect back saying, my God, that was one of the biggest moments of my life or podcast career 
because um, I've recently found myself reflecting on someone who their message early on, Chris Brannigan. I thought um, you were going to say me. I'm not going to lie. No. Okay. Um, we, we had someone <laughs> on, and I just happened to be going through our old episodes. I was like, man, that yeah, one that right one there was... knocked, knocked me off my, my, my seat. Is there something that was said or someone that, that said something profound that looking back you're like, I'm truly blessed to have had that opportunity to hear that or have that been said um, with me on my podcast. Yeah, that's such a good question. So a lot of times, like there, there's, can I name a few? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So um, here's a real reminder that we all put our pants on the same way as men. Doesn't I don't care what level you're operating at i don't care if you're the a-list celebrity you know the 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 hall of fame ufc fighter or who or world series champion pitcher three times over like todd stottlemyre when it comes to fatherhood and parenting we all put our pants on the same way and it'll bring us to our knees in humility no matter what and it's also a powerful reminder that you know i if you ever hear me talk on the podcast or any of the podcasts, I stay as far away from the word balance as I possibly can, because I think it's a, it's a balance is, is, is a, is a goal line that we will never get to like ever. And the more you try to balance it. And I think a lot of times too, the measuring stick for balance is, is off. A lot of times we think it's time that is the balance. Well, if I spend two hours with my family, you know, that's okay. Right. Like that balances like with work, if I'm spending eight hours in the office and I spend three hours at home, like that's pretty good balance. Right. And then I maybe have like this over here for this balance. I like the word optimization. Like you can be around your family for three hours, but is it optimal, you know, or is it, is it, is it effective? I truly believe that if you only have 30 minutes to spend with your wife and kids, like you can either show up as a zombie or you can optimize it one of the two, it's really up to us and it doesn't, you know, to, to balance it, I think is, is really tough to do. So I'll, I'll use, you know, Matthew McConaughey as an example, because Matthew can say anything and we'd all believe it. Yes. Yeah. And enjoy it, it as I listen to it. And he, you know, he came on the podcast and like I said, he could have lied and he didn't. And we had a great interview and probably one of the more, more fun interviews I've had. And and I asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, it just seems like you, you're really tight with Camilla, which is his wife. And, um, seems like you guys have always have your marriage on point, you know, everything I see on social, like you guys are always just seem really happy, man. And I'm like, and you know, tell us like, what, what is some of the things that you do? What are some of the secrets that you have like to constantly pursue her to make sure that your marriage is on point, despite how busy you are and how in demand you are and how kids need you and you're traveling, you got this movie to thing and this and that. And that guy could have said anything. We'd all believe it. And he point blank said, you know what? I got to tell you, man, that part of my life ain't so good right now. He's like, and, and you asking me this question has reminded me it's been a while since he's like, it's not bad. He goes, but it's been a while since I've taken my wife out on a date. It's been a while since I've pursued her and courted her. Right. We're still good. And we still get along great. And everything, everything's great. He goes, but me being that romantic yeah, I haven't given a whole lot of effort there lately. And that's a strong reminder that I need to. He's like, I've been so busy. I think at the time he was doing sing Two, a couple other things were going on and the kids were real busy in their thing. He's like, we've kind of neglected each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was like, holy shit. You know, it's like, that's such a, it's, 
he could have said anything, but he didn't. You know, I just interviewed, um, I just went up and interviewed on Bernthal's podcast, the real ones. And then he came on mine, but like, I've, I've, I've actually, it's been really cool. I've, I've gotten to know him, you know, and we've, we've talked, you know, here and there over text ever since. And I said, I've gotten to know him on a personal level. And I got to tell you out of all the celebrities that I've interviewed, it's funny that his podcast is called the real ones. That guy is probably the most real a-list celebrity I have ever met in my life. He will tell you how imperfect he is, how he screws up, how he face plants, and he'll laugh about it, you know, which is, which he, he's so human. And it's such a powerful reminder that, man, if these guys who everybody has eyes on can screw up and, and be human and have humility, why can't the average dude who hardly anyone knows, right? Like we just beat ourselves up so badly as like the average guy, right? Um, another, another podcast guest that just really took me by surprise here recently, and I haven't released it yet, but it's coming out soon. A guy that probably nobody knows. He is the founder of a organization called tell my story. A ridiculously uber successful, um, businessman. He, his son five years ago when he was 14, took his own life hmm. and He's the youngest of four kids and I have four kids. And he said something that just rocked my world. He was like, there were breadcrumbs of how unhappy he was, but I just tacked it up as him being a teenager. Mm. Like he really didn't want to shower too much anymore. And he's kind of crabby and he was spending a lot of time in his room. He's like, and I, he had a phone. And uh, what I didn't realize is he was researching best ways to kill himself on that phone. He was like, it was a lot like giving my son a device that was much like dropping him off into the worst parts of the world and say, Hey, I'll pick you up tomorrow morning. Best of luck. He's like, that's what it felt like leaving this, my boy with, with this phone. And I did, I had no clue. I had no clue what was going on. And as soon as we got off that podcast, I was like, Holy crap. You, as a parent, you have to be so vigilant, man. Like, don't let things just fly by that you think are quote unquote normal, right? Like yeah. if, if your kid is spending a ton of time in their room, they're not socializing, they're, you know, they're not really, I mean, a lot of us could just tack that up as it's a teenage boy, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. it could be somebody who's crying out for help and you're just not seeing the signs. So yeah. it was a strong reminder, even though he's like, he's not a Matthew McConaughey, he's not a John Bernthal, but he had this solid message of like, you better pay attention to this kind of stuff because it's so important. I um, I my my hair's standing up on my neck from from that last just hearing that story. Um, if anyone listening who is not familiar with you, and I don't know how they can't be because you're like the number one uh, dad and parenting podcast out there, and a a great account to follow to to learn from. Um, but for someone who's listening who doesn't know um you and wants to learn more, where where can they find you? Sure. Uh, everything we do is, is at the dad edge. So the dad edge.com at the dad edge on Instagram, um, Larry Hagner. I mean, my first and last name isn't very common. So if you Google me, everything I do will come up. Um, podcasts. I think I looked at it this morning. We have a thousand twenty-four episodes. So we've got enough content out there to keep you busy Ooh. for a while. Mm -hmm. If you're, um, if you're a consumer of content, start with the podcast. If you're the type of guy, it's like, Nope. 
I want to live life with a tribe. I want to learn these skills that we've been talking about. I want to level up my marriage and parenting and do life a bit differently. That's where we got the Alliance. And you can find that at the dadedge.com forward slash Alliance. Um, I'm, I'm the story I'm telling myself as, as I say that is your listeners are automatically vetting themselves of, would I be willing to finish six questions on an application or would, would I, should I not even bother? If you've made it this far, I think you got a chance. Right. There's yeah. probably someone though, because like whenever I hear numbers, I'm like, no, I'm going to be in the other percentile. So there's probably some folks going, I can certainly do three minutes. Yeah. But then right. it's like, but do you have the commitment after? Yeah. Anyway, that's another another story. Larry, this was an absolute honor to to have you on the Dadass Podcast. Thank you so yeah, much for, you. for sharing your story, for everything that you do, and for just carving out a little bit of your time of your day to be here with, with Sean and I. Uh, my pleasure, man. Uh, thanks for having me, and thanks for the work you guys are doing in the world. Yeah, no, thank you. This has been This has been amazing, so I really, truly appreciate it. Anytime. Thank you, guys. I tell you what, that really was an excellent uh, interview. Uh, I know I really enjoyed it, and I hope you did too. And uh, don't don't forget to like and subscribe on uh, our social media platforms: Instagram, um, Facebook, MySpace, of course. Um, you can also uh, feel free to uh, leave us a review. Uh, those are always really helpful to us. And um, don't don't be afraid to drop us a line at the Dadass Podcast at gmail.com. And until next time, stay strong, dadass.